Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all today. Well, let me open us with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started with our message today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be your people. You've called us out of darkness into light, and Lord, we have the ability, because of that, to reflect your goodness and kindness to a lost and dying world. Lord, we pray that you'll equip us to do that. You've already equipped us. It's more of our appropriation of the gifts you've given us. And so help us today with the teaching that we hear to apply it to our hearts. And Lord, I do pray for these upcoming medical issues for Brian, for the radiation, Lord. I pray that it would not do any damage beyond what it needs to do to deal with the skin cancer. And I pray that it would be able to eradicate the skin cancer. pray that Brian's body could withstand the effects of the treatment three times a week for six weeks. Can We just pray that there wouldn't be any complications and skin cancer will be eradicated. We also pray for this upcoming visit to Jacksonville Mayo Clinic in January. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of the doctor to, to see the work you've already done in sustaining Brian through countless ordeals and that he would be able to get on the list and get it delivered very soon so that his body could begin to heal from, from all of the consequences that he's had to deal with for so long. And Lord, for me, I pray as this teaching time starts that you'll help me to be clear with a bit of um, challenging bits of information. And I pray that we'll, we'll apply these truths to our hearts, Lord, so that we'll be wise and won't be easily led astray by the attacks of Satan. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the last week of of me going over the information that's come from what I've been teaching in the first hour, dealing with unmasking the culture. For the last two weeks, I shared about the idea of fear. Our culture pervades fear, tries to get you fearful of everything, and yet as believers, we can have hope in the Lord. We don't have to live terrorized by fear. And last week, I dealt with biblical decision-making, um, Many of us at this point in life, we've made countless decisions, but we always have more to make, and so we need to make them wisely and biblically. And today, I'm coming in on the final topic I was given. I'll just read you what was given to me. The culture is not content just promoting a message. It is only satisfied if you are fully bought in and supportive of that same message. And the takeaway is how do we make sure that the culture doesn't get its grips in us and pull us aside. Now, I don't normally interact because when I'm teaching through a text, it's easier for me to go, but since I'm not teaching through a text per se, what is culture? What is the culture that we live in? How do we know what culture is? It's not rhetorical. You can give me feedback and just give me your answers. What the media is feeding us. You mentioned non-Christian, Dale. Yes, Steve? The world system. Okay. How does that world system come to us? How do we know what our culture is? If I came to America from another country, how do I find out what American culture is? I'm sorry? The media? Okay, I heard the media a couple... What's that? Look how people are living. Talk to people. Educators. Teachers. Teachers. Educator. Look at the educational system. Okay. The secular norms, what's happening? Good one, government. 
how we know that we have a virtuous culture by our virtuous government. What are we celebrating? What month is it? What flag is Excellent, excellent. All those really are the gist of it. I read a couple of different definitions. I'll read one, oddly enough, from the United States Department of State. I assume they did it because people come to America and they want to kind of interact with them. They said, a culture is this definition. A collection of knowledge, experience, beliefs, values, attitudes, meanings, behaviors, rituals, and religions of a certain group. Another said culture can be defined as all the ways of life, including arts, beliefs, and institutions of a population that are passed down from generation to generation. And we get that. Most of us have grown up here, and we recognize that there is something called American culture. We talk about government and all the other things. What we also realize is American culture has changed since we were young. The things that used to be extolled as virtues now often are vices and vice versa. It's interesting because what I wanted to summarize as I was looking through these definitions, that U.S. State Department website had a statement, and I'm quite sure they meant it in a completely different way than how I'll use it. But it actually, it's correct in a sense. And so this is theirs, and I'm quoting from their website, and this little section of information I found on culture. Culture is like an iceberg. With an iceberg, you can only see what's above the waterline, which is a small fraction of its total mass. Culture operates similarly. You can only see what's on the surface. However, there's so much more below the surface that you can't see. And that's incredibly true. In fact, that's what I'm going to be talking about. The genesis of this message, the origins of it, were something that I taught many months ago here, but I've adapted it slightly. But my game plan, my goal is for us to recognize the culture for what it is. Most of us right now have an instinctive reaction that something is wrong in America. We do. Maybe we would diagnose it slightly differently, but the government's not doing what it used to do. The education system certainly isn't doing what it used to do. Churches aren't doing what they used to do. I've used the illustration, but it's a crack up if you like old television, which I do. You know, in the old days, a husband and wife slept in twin beds because they were that concerned about the corrupting impact of what they did. But there's no twin beds anymore. Now we're bombarded by not just the husband and wife, but the husband and the husband and all kinds of other perversions that rampantly run through the system. And while we get angry at times, not always unrighteously, but sometimes it's unrighteous on our part, but we see the surface we get mad at that senator or that congresswoman or that president or that governor or that actress or that whatever, fill in the blank, that college professor, that president. 
And yet, we need to always be mindful before we get carried away that those are just the surface level. That undergirding all of this is a level of spiritual warfare that we have to be mindful of at all times. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, the Apostle Paul, starting to talk about the full armor of God, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What we always have to keep in mind and what we have to be aware of is that that's the ultimate influence. That's what's happening below the waterline. And we need to remember, because if we're not careful, even us who know better can begin to see the culture as just some neutral thing out there, and we can think, well, if we can just twist it a little bit, everything will be okay. But culture is not redeemable. Certainly, we're to be salt and light. We're to influence it. Christians should vote. Christians should be informed. Christians should try and influence others in a godly way. Don't mishear me. But we have to recognize that as long as we're here, we have to have our guard up. We have to be alert against everything because Satan's on the prowl and our culture is in his grip. So I originally was going to try and do a couple of points and then it wound up being, normally for Sunday school I do about 10 pages based on how my stuff is laid out. And I got done with my second point and I had 18 pages. So I thought, well, that's probably not going to work. And so I've condensed some materials to get it closer. But I really just want us to think about so that we're on guard against the impact of our culture. Now, why do I say that to us? Because there's a lot of unbelievers that carry our viewpoint on an issue or two. There's a lot of unbelievers that might agree with us on Israel. There's a lot of unbelievers that might agree with us on the LGBTQ. There's a lot of unbelievers that might agree with us on the foolishness of believing and accepting the words of a five-year-old that says, I think I'm a girl when I'm a boy. And if we're not careful, we can wind up being influenced by them on other issues in an unhealthy way. So we got to be on the alert at all times. we got to have our guard up. And I guess my main point to reiterate and what I want to focus on and what I'm going to be building today is an awareness that our culture is never neutral. And if I put parentheses, as hard as it is to sound, in fact, our culture, I say this from the scriptures, is largely satanic. So let me go back to, let's go back to the visual or auditory ways that we interact with the culture. If somebody wanted to find out something, what's the first thing they would do if they were looking for our culture? Certainly, maybe talk to somebody, but what do we normally do? Internet. We go to the internet. Or, you turn on the TV. Watch those things. The internet, TV, social media. I think people connect more that way than even face-to-face -face anymore. People don't talk anymore. 
If you look at the world, there's a common element in everything. Give me a TV network. NBC. Newsmax is there, but okay, let's go to the layers. Somebody is deciding what's going to be on those shows. There's an individual somewhere in the process. Maybe they pitch an idea, and then a supervisor says, I'll do it. And then there's a higher level, and there's a VP, and eventually you get to the top, and there's somebody who's a CEO or a president. They're making decisions about what to put on. Same thing happens with the movie theaters, be it Sony or MGM. I don't even know if they're in business anymore. All of them have somebody that's in charge. If you're like me, you've been very bothered by the foolishness going on on college campuses in a multitude of issues, but the number of college campuses with professors and students that are cheering the massacre that Hamas did of the Israelis. They're cheering it. They think it's wonderful. One professor in New York said it was exhilarating. Are you kidding me? What level of evil will you ever condemn if you don't condemn the killing of babies and all the innocents? They're led by deans and chancellors and provosts. All of these organizations, these institutions that shape us, you look at the government at every level, it's staffed by people in various positions. Education system, which has so much influence on our culture, now, mostly for the negative, is staffed with people. You look at every media conglomerate, every internet, at every stage, there's people involved. There are people with responsibilities that are setting the agenda for what we hear. Already, there are people making millions and millions of dollars gearing up ads for the next election next year. Because they want to appeal to our anger and our frustration and our disgust. And they're working hard to figure out what will move this person. It's happening all around us at every level. Debbie, when we were first married, was in sales. There's so much science in sales of do you get on the end cap at the grocery store? Where's the end cap? What level of placement do you have on the shelf? Because we know he, all of this, this is all cultural things to catch our attention. Every one of those decisions, every one of those strategic ideas is made by a human being at some level. What's one thing we know about every human? What's that? Sinners. sinners. They're sinners. Romans 3, 10 and 11, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. We need to make sure we really recognize and believe that. Romans 3, 28, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Think about everything that influences us. It's made by a human being who at his or her core is not following God, not seeking God, not desiring God, rather is actively against God. This is one of the things, and we all have to be careful because we all have to interact with the culture. There's nothing in my message that says we build a compound and we all go live inside the compound. We'd kill each other in a week apart from the intervention of God's Spirit working in our hearts. 
No, we've got to interact with this fallen culture, but we always have to be aware of what we're dealing with. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the influence of the culture. Only God is sovereign. Don't misunderstand me. Only God is sovereign. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. At the end of the day, Jesus wins, we win. Praise the Lord. And at any moment, God could intervene, as he's done at multiple points in history, and wipe out people, and he'd be justified in doing it. You know, the rainbow's been perverted. But the reality is, the true rainbow is a promise of God that I'm not going to destroy everybody that way again. That's why I think it's been deliberately co-opted by Satan for an offensive movement because what God said is, I won't judge you in that way again. And it's almost Satan is the lying saying, you will not die. That's what he told Eve. But that's a side note. God is sovereignly in control, but we understand from the scriptures that God, because of the sinful nature of man, has allowed Satan to run rampant. That's why we're told... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, we can't ever be so tunnel vision that we think that the person we're dealing with is just a person. They're influenced by Satan himself and his demons. I've always been fascinated by a temptation of Jesus. Every temptation of Jesus by Satan is fascinating because it's like, really? Did you? How much arrogance do you have? But he took Jesus, you recall, the account I have is Matthew 4, 8, 9. He took him to the top of a mountain. And this is what I've thought about many times. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. If you think of it another way, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their culture. Everything about them. And what he told Jesus was, I'll give all this to you if you worship me. Now, Jesus didn't take the bait and he didn't do it, but Jesus also didn't say, look, Satan, you don't have that power. You're just all talk. It seems like he does have that much control over the kingdoms of the world and all their glory, all their manifestations, what they are, what they consist of. The ladies' Bible studies covering the book of Revelation. Demo's group is starting that, but if you read through it, you see what worldwide satanic control looks like when God pulls his hand out. But that's going on now. That's why the Bible refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. The small g, God of this world. Now again, we read the book of Job and it's very clear. Satan can't do anything Contrary to what God says. God put limits on what Satan could do. Okay, you can go this far. You can go this far. In fact, Jesus, in talking to Peter, said, Peter, Peter, Satan demanded permission to sift you like wheat. In other words, he couldn't just do it. He had to go and ask permission. But it seems as though when you read the entirety of Scripture as a whole, God, because of the sin of man, has in some respects, he's always sovereign, He's always protecting his people and his church, but for the mass of humanity that's not believers, they're at the mercy of Satan right now. Again, we know from scriptures that perhaps millions, probably billions of angels were created. There's nine billion people on the earth. God instantly, I think, created probably more than that. The biblical language is myriads upon myriads, thousands upon ten thousands, 
but those aren't mathematical equations. Those are really just representations of an infinitesimal number. And we know also from Scripture that a third of the angels fell. I have references. I've taught on angels and fallen angels before in different times. But the big picture, a third of the angels fell and they follow Satan. And according to Revelation chapter 12, there's a description of them. They're following him. Revelation 12, 7 and 9. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Again, reading scripture from beginning of end. Satan was created good. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. But sometime by Genesis chapter 3, Satan had rebelled, and he was such a good liar that a third of the angels, at that time they were holy angels in the presence of God, followed Satan. They became his angels, doing his bidding, and his bidding is to deceive the entire world. The warning we had from 1 Peter chapter 5 be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking those he can devour. That vision of him walking all over the earth, Satan's not omnipresent like God. He's omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he's got a spy network that's unparalleled. In my childhood, and probably for some of you, depending on how old you are, maybe it was your adulthood, but in my childhood, we knew the bad guys were Russia. Soviet Union, of course, but it was, they were the bad guys. And then as you get older, you realize the bad guys have spies everywhere, the KGB. They were everywhere, all over the place. Even into my adulthood, somebody would go to prison for being a traitor, espionage. Now it's the Chinese that are infiltrating everything. The point is, what do you send spies out for? To find out stuff you can't know from the outside, you've got to get on the inside. That's what Satan has done with his spy network of demons. They're everywhere. That doesn't mean that they trump God. I don't, as powerful as Satan is, I don't live in fear of him. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Because of the spirit indwelling us, we have the power to stand up to the temptations of Satan. But most of the people influencing us aren't believers. They're not born again. They don't have a new heart. How many types of people are there in the world? Well, it depends on the way we ask the question. So, but yeah, people groups, there's countless. Two. So you take, there are countless people groups. That's why Jesus is going to save people from every tribe and tongue and nation. But at the end of it, you sort it down. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6. There's just two. We pretend to be an inclusive society, but salvation is not inclusive. It's not universal. There are either those who are with God and those who are against God. And the description of those who are against God really explains all that what we're seeing in the culture. Colossians 1.13 speaks of our salvation. Beautiful 
beautiful section of scripture leading into a beautiful declaration of Christology of who Jesus is, but it says, He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So, if there's only two types of people, there's only two kingdoms. The domain of darkness and the kingdom of His beloved Son. And those in the domain of darkness don't even realize it, and they are pawns. Now, don't mishear me. They're accountable to God for their own decisions. They are accountable because it's their responsibility. Romans chapter 1, they are without excuse. They could see from creation enough to reveal that there's a creator and they reject him. But let me remind you of what the scripture says about those in the domain of darkness. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26 says this, with gentleness, he's given instruction to the young Timothy, and with gentleness, correcting those in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. They're in the domain of darkness. They're in the snare of the devil. They're trapped. But they're held captive by him to do his will. In other words, he can manipulate them because of their sinful hearts, because of their rejection of God. Again, Satan's not responsible for their sin. They're responsible for their sin, but they're doing his will and they don't even know it because according to the scriptures, he blinded them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. This is a frightful picture. They're in the domain of darkness. They're trapped. There's a snare of the devil. My grandpa used to trap animals when I was a kid and I'd go with him and you'd come on the animal and the animal's got... He actually used steel traps, which I think was technically not consistent with the law. But he, that's another story. Um, anyway, you come up on the animal, the animal's done. They're not getting out. And the scripture paints that type of picture of those who are in the grip of Satan. And he's manipulating them to do his will. And they don't even realize that they're a puppet. Because they're blinded by their sin and by his deception. And let me connect the final dots. There are more people in the domain of darkness, according to the scripture, than there are in the kingdom of his beloved son. This is hard to believe, except that it's true. When I say it's hard to believe, we don't like to think of the world that way. But Jesus says this in Matthew seven thirteen to 14. So you can't argue with Jesus. He's God. Matthew seven thirteen to 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that lead to destruction and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. So if we're to accept Jesus' words and we don't have a choice... The vast majority of people in the world, I believe, at this moment, 
don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This used to confuse me when I was first saved because I knew America was full of churches. How, I didn't understand. How could that be true? Because it's a Christian country. And then I realized there's a difference between being Christian and being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because culture has corrupted even that term such that people that claim to be Christians can embrace all manner of things that are absolutely contradictory of God's word and they do it without any hesitation. In other words, our culture is controlled by people who are influenced and controlled by Satan himself. Now, that doesn't mean that we should hate all people because there's everyone is created in the image of God. Our hope should be to reach them with the gospel. Even if it looks impossible, we shouldn't stop preaching the gospel. We shouldn't stop trying to positively impact the culture. But we also have to realize that the tentacles of Satan are in everything. There is nothing innocent. There's nothing that we consume, even going back to sporting events, where we don't have to get our guard up. Because every sporting event has a TV commercial somewhere. Or somebody holding a sign. Or somebody sending a subtle message by some political statement. But not a political statement in the sense of politics. A political statement in the sense of a worldview that's contrary to the scriptures. John eight forty four. It's a compelling scripture. Jesus again talking he's rebuking religious leaders and he says you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father well now we're getting close to what does our culture want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him whenever he speaks a lie he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies our entire popular culture is a lie masquerading as truth I wish it wasn't the case, but I think at every church we've ever been at, I've seen people turn away from the scriptures while they still showed up on Sunday for the sermon. They were comfortable. And yet they were rejecting the word of God as the authoritative truth. It happens at Lakeside. I've talked to people to explain to them, the scriptures don't say that. that that's wrong. That's sin. It's okay. It's happening all the time, every day. And if we're not careful, Satan isn't going to stop trying to set the trap for us. He can't steal our salvation. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. But he can disable or at the very least minimize our witness by getting us to embrace the culture. This is the danger facing the church in this era is that the culture is not tolerant. I've heard that word for years. It was a common word. We, we, we just want tolerance. No, you don't. You want acceptance. You want affirmation. This world is filled with culture that will destroy you if you embrace it. That's why Paul said in Colossians 2.8, and I've preached sermon on it, I've talked 
long messages on it. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. That describes our current battle with evolution. The entire world believes it. Permeates the educational system. Permeates our entertainment. Everything is based on the premise that we just happen to show up, roll the dice over billions of years, lucky accident, which means we're our own gods. Satan's original lie. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what our society's doing, defining its own good and evil in the face of a holy God. James 3.15 says, This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. That's what populates the culture. Most governmental systems around the world, in fact, I would dare say all of them are not founded on a view of Christianity and the Bible that we teach and believe here at Lakeside. You occasionally find countries around the world, in fact, there's a lot of European countries that have an official religion be it Catholic or Lutheran or something else. But the people don't believe. It's a cultural thing. There's again that danger of culture. And it influences the church. That's why the Bible warns us about people being influenced by doctrines of demons. And talking about Satan says he masquerades as an angel of light. And then it's no surprise that his ministers do the same thing. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. His servants disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Again, this is happening everywhere and we have to realize and come to grips with the fact that we always will face this. I think the hostility towards what we believe is growing. It's not going to stop growing. These are the latter times when men are going from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And the culture will only stop when you give in and go along. Romans 1, 28-32 has a, so much application to our current day it's hard to fathom. You forget that it was written... 2,000 years ago, you think if somebody came and was writing a New Testament book and they just looked at American culture, oh, you've been here. Beginning at verse 28, and I could go longer. There's a lot more in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 to 32. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, Evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. Oh, that's social media. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, this is what culture wants, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. That's what's being broadcast constantly. You can't watch a TV show without there being some affirmation of the LG whatever, keep adding letters. 
Robert Frere has talked many times in different topics. He recently gave a message on critical race theory. Thank you, CRT. Here's the point. What's happening in Israel now, in the college and campus protests, it's on that same issue. It all stems from critical race theory. If you look it out, it's the same thing because the world's divided up into the colonizers and the powerful, and then there's the oppressed and the weak. It's not what the Bible says, but hey, I am my own God. I'll make up my own rules. These influences are everywhere, and here's the, here's the sad part. I've read many articles from people claiming to be Christians and pastors. Debbie shared with me an email that came that had some long pastoral explanation for why we really should be sympathetic to those people that were murdering and killing. And it all comes back to a faulty worldview. If you ask me, a satanic worldview. At the end of the day, this is everywhere. How can somebody give hearty approval to the massacre of children? It's happening around us. It's happening in real time. 1 Peter 4, 3 to 4. 1 Peter 4, 3 to 4. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to carry, have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking park, parties, and abominable idolatries, a life of pagan revelry. Verse 4, In all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation. I'll have to bring this quickly to a close because we're at the time. Here's what's going on. We can't ever hit the snooze button when it comes to our culture. I love the Andy Griffith show from way back when. I enjoy the moral lessons and the, the morality that comes through it. I watch the old Dragnet show from the 60s, which is some of the worst television ever made, and I absolutely love it. Sergeant Joe Friday railing against marijuana and the evils of it. But understand, culture tolerated a certain ethic and morality then because it suited Satan's purposes. It's a lot darker now. And it's only going to get more dark. And we as believers have to have our eyes open. Do I still use the internet? All the time. Do I still watch TV shows? I do. Do I still watch Florida State football games? Everyone. But I'm on guard. Because it's still fighting for my affections. And it's fighting to distract me from what God's called us to do. So just be alert. There's nobody that's out there that's innocent and neutral. They have an agenda. And even when we get mad at the politicians or the actors or actresses, remember they're just the, the face of the franchise, the tip of the iceberg. Satan and his demonic forces are working underneath. And we need to pray not for anything less than that God will rescue those people that are driving us crazy from the domain of darkness. And we should have compassion on them because they are ensnared by the devil, held captive by him to do his will, and he's blinded them to it. And we need to pray that God will open their eyes and bring them to salvation. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will work beyond my inadequacies. Lord, there's so much 
I could say and I, I get a little antsy when I don't have a specific scripture to teach. Lord, it's very hard in my own heart to know if what I'm saying makes sense. But Lord, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters how you, through your spirit, apply it to the heart. And so I pray that everyone in here will be alert and on edge and on guard against the culture. Lord, we shouldn't live in fear. We live in hope. I thank you for that. We live in joy. I thank you for that. But by the same token, our adversary of the devil is prowling around seeking to devour us. Help us keep our guards up and help us to remember that this culture is not neutral. It's dark and it's getting darker. Help us be light, which is so desperately needed. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. And Lord willing, I will see you next week.